It's the Pete Callender Show. With more than 20 years as a reporter and radio host in North Carolina, Pete Callender is helping solve the world's problems one podcast at a time. Because he's a giver. And now, here's Pete. So what is going on? Welcome to the show. Thanks so much for listening. I appreciate it. And I could not do the show without patrons to the program, folks like Ruth and Barbara and Jonathan, Theo, Janet, Lori, Gregory, James, Matt, Lisa, Jolene, and Becky. Thank you very much. They all became patrons of the program. And in case you haven't noticed, by the way, I do this at the beginning of every podcast. It's um, it, it keeps me in touch with my NPR roots. No, seriously, though, <laughs> it uh, no, I mean, it's it, it's it's how the podcast has survived for a year. And it is one of the very few minimal things that I can do to show some level of appreciation. We have about 130 or so uh, patrons to the show, and I just kind of take um, 10 of them at a time and I put them into groups and. Uh, just alphabetical or not even alphabetical. It's I think it's uh, by the way you signed up. And then I just uh, create, you know, blocks of 10 lists and I give 10 shout outs every podcast. And so it's basically a two week cycle, but uh, I appreciate it. And uh, if you want to become a patron, by the way, you can do that at uh, the Pete dot com. So the other, well, for, I guess, the last two days now, I have been doing uh, substitute hosting down in Charlotte, well, via remote. So I'm here in Arden. I got to get used to saying that because I'm not in Asheville. It's Arden now. And um, I, uh, so I just, I, I remote into their system with the Comrex device and I uh, broadcast from the house. And so yesterday I did... Uh, on their on the WBT show, I ran through this tweet storm that was written by a fellow named Daryl Cooper, who uh, is also he's a podcaster. Let me get his official description here because do 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 do. Oh, and also tell people about the podcast. It is Martyr Made, I believe, is his podcast name. I uh, see this is totally unprofessional. I don't have the bio here. Daryl Cooper is the host of the Martyr Made podcast which is M-A-R-T-Y-R, Martyr, made, uh, all one word. That's the podcast. He is also the co-host of The Unraveling with Jocko Willink and author of That Twitter Thread. That Twitter Thread, he calls it That Twitter Thread because that was the Twitter, uh, that was the name that uh, Donald Trump called it when he (laughs) appeared at the CPAC uh, event over the weekend. He called it uh, That Twitter Feed and, or Twitter Thread and, Uh, I got to say, I tweeted this out on Friday, and uh, that was long before Donald Trump mentioned it, and it was before Tucker Carlson mentioned it. So I feel like, you know, like they were following me on this. But uh, look, the—and I'm going to go through this because I think it is really valuable because this guy, his real name, Daryl Cooper— uh, has actually, I think, uh, he has encapsulated the thought process behind so much of what animates and motivates uh, Trump supporters and why. So, like, I have people in my life that uh, and, you know, audience members, and we talk about this stuff in the live streams that patrons can get, by the way. Um, we talk about this stuff. And uh, usually when you start discussing the election, 
And there are Trump supporters who say it was stolen, it was, you know, rigged and all of this and, you know, just give it time and it'll all play out. Um, And I ask for evidence and we have these discussions and debates. And I am, I mean, honestly, sometimes I'm kind of at a loss because I don't understand um, or I didn't until I read this thread. I didn't understand uh, the thought process behind how they could just you know, latch on to this idea with minimal evidence and, uh, and and then become so convinced of it. And this explains it. And when you stack the stuff up, it's not irrational. And I never did believe that it was irrational. So, but I think a lot of people on the left believe that uh, Trump supporters are being completely unhinged and unrealistic and irrational when they say that the election was stolen. And I have not believed that. I have never thought that. I thought it, there are some, I mean, there, yes, absolutely. There are some rational uh, thinking people and there is evidence that hijinks were afoot. The biggest one for me, well, there are two actually, and I've covered this before uh, on the podcast. There was the one, um, was it the one story about all of the people that had gotten together and were trying to, you know, quote, war game, what happened if Donald Trump lost and refused to leave and all of that. And there was so there was that component of it, because that whole war game, all of that exercise, um, it also entailed uh, the lawsuits. And I have said from the beginning, like North Carolina, this kind of dovetails into the second reason I thought it was always a rational um, uh, belief or uh, assumption that hijinks were afoot was because the lawsuits that got filed in the run up to the election, I always looked at those as um, laying the groundwork for the litigation that would be required after a Trump victory. You set the, right, you plant the seeds. So you know that if your guy loses, you've got all of these different avenues to attack in the courts to try to get your guy uh, enough votes afterwards. And I've said this before, this is part of the problem with the counting of the votes and the canvassing and all of that, though the, the, the extension of the grace period by which you could submit your absentee ballot and have it still count that grace period when Democrats extended that in North Carolina, what it does is it allows more opportunity for the challenges to occur after the fact and to then start looking at more ballots. That's the key. You want to have more ballots in play. So you can start making arguments as a lawyer. You can start making arguments that this ballot should count and that batch should count, but those over there shouldn't. You want to have as many ballots in play as possible. And so when you extend that grace period, you're going to have more ballots in play. And to me, that was done in order to prep the field for the litigation that would occur after Biden lost, in case he lost, right? Because I I don't know... You know, who, what I don't know what lawyers thought Biden would win or lose or whatever. So all of that is to say that this guy, Daryl Cooper, put down in probably the most coherent rundown of how Trump supporters got to where they are. And it started with the Russian collusion story. Right. And maybe and look, and, and you know, this is on me, I compartmentalize a lot of news uh, stories. And I think, and I compartmentalize a lot, actually, in my life, in the way I assess things. It's how I was able to, you know, do my job in high stress situations. When I was a reporter, you would go out and you would talk to somebody who just lost a family member. And how do you 
you know, do your job in those circumstances, you compartmentalize. Anyway, so I think uh, that maybe I do too much of that in some cases, and other people don't. And they look at the totality of things maybe more than I do. And I think that's sort of my takeaway from this guy's uh, assessment. So he, by the way, he also did, uh, so he did this Twitter thread, and then Glenn Greenwald uh, from The Intercept, and now he does his own Substack. he asked Daryl Cooper to uh, to flesh out some of these ideas in a longer form piece. I have that as well. So uh, sit back, relax. We're going to take a walk down memory lane, and uh, we're going to stack up the evidence for Trump supporters as to why they believe the election or you believe the election was stolen. And it doesn't really matter. I'm actually not even going to present much evidence at all because that's not really the point. The belief is the point. How they got there, how you got there, that's the point, right? Um, Now, if your roof has points on it, um, then you need to call Balkan Roofing. Well, just because it's a roof. It doesn't even, if your roof is flat, you need to call Balkan Roofing as well, especially if you think that your roof has problems, then you definitely need to call Balkan Roofing. But look, I understand that you're looking at like the price of materials and you're like, oh my gosh, uh, everything's getting more expensive. Thank you, Biden inflation. Um, but uh, yes, it's true. It's true. But I will tell you, Balkan uh, Roofing, the Balkan family, and I've talked to them, they've tried to uh, absorb as much of that cost as they can. But that is to say, as much as they can, you're not going to absorb it. They can't absorb it all. And so they expect these prices to go up soon. And, and you need, if you're thinking about getting a roof, you need to get the roof now. Okay. So you need to move on this sooner rather than later. And you're in luck because you can get a roof for as low as $69 a month with financing from Balkan Roofing. Go to their website, BalkanRoofing.com. That's B-A-L-K-E-N Roofing.com. Or you can give them a call at 628-0390. That's 628-0390. And maybe you had somebody come out and do some repair work a couple of months ago or maybe a couple of years ago. And now you're like, I don't think that actually did the job. And uh, not to disparage anybody, but uh, yeah, they probably did it. But don't worry, Balkan's got great repair teams. Okay, so they will come on out. They'll take a look, make sure that your roof is doing well. It's free estimate. Don't even worry about it. Give them a call, 628-0390, 628-0390, or again, BalkanRoofing.com. So here is the tweet thread by... Daryl Cooper, a.k.a. Martyr Maid, he says, I think I've had discussions with enough boomer tier Trump supporters who believe the 2020 election was fraudulent. Believe I've had enough discussions with them to extract a general theory about their perspective. It's also the perspective of most of the people at the Capitol on January 6th and probably even Donald Trump himself. And as I mentioned, Trump reference this thread at CPAC, so probably the case. He says, most believe that some or all of the theories involving midnight ballots, voting machines, etc., etc., but what you find when you talk to them is that while they'll defend those positions with information that they get from Hannity or Breitbart or whatever, they're not actually particularly attached to them. So here are the facts, actual confirmed facts that shape Trump supporters' perspectives. Number one, the FBI, DOJ, et cetera, et cetera, 
the FBI spied on the 2016 Trump campaign using evidence manufactured by the Clinton campaign. We know that all the people involved knew it was fake from day one. We know this. Now, the people that we're talking about, Trump supporters that we're talking about, he says, these are Tea Party people. The types who give their kids a pocket constitution for their birthday. They got founding fathers memes in their bios on social media. The intelligence community spying on a presidential campaign using fake evidence, including forged documents. This is a very big deal to this population. Okay, and this is, I think, a very underappreciated part of this story that the people that and you always got to keep this in mind, the people that we're talking about, like me, right, believe very much in the Constitution, believe very much. You know, that was the whole point of the Tea Party. Stop spending, stop spending, rein in the constant rein in the federal government to its constitutional limits. And when you're doing all these bailouts, this is not what we're supposed to be doing. This is a big deal, right? People who study the Constitution, you read books about it, you're uh, enamored with quotes from the founding fathers. He goes on to say everybody involved in the spying lied about their involvement for as long as they could. And we only learned that the Democratic National Committee paid for this manufactured evidence. We only learned about that because of a court order. The FBI director, Jim Comey, denied on TV knowing that the DNC paid for it. But we have the emails from a year earlier proving that he actually did know. So he lied and it didn't matter. This was true with everybody. The CIA, former CIA director, John Brennan, that guy who like literally was a communist at one point. How does that guy become head of the CIA? Seriously? Like, I I don't understand that. And this is a question that somebody like who loves the Constitution, loves America, stands for the anthem, hand over the heart when it plays, right? Like, you're telling me that this guy back in college, even though it was college, but this guy was a communist and he's in charge of the CIA. Can somebody please ask him when his road to Damascus moment occurred? Somebody please ask him, when did you have this epiphany that, you know what, maybe communism wasn't great. Nobody does, though. The guy still has talking head appearances all over MSNBC all the time in NBC. He lied. Adam Schiff, the congressman, he lied, you know, leaking all sorts of stuff to... um to friendly media outlets that would then amplify the lies. Brennan and Schiff, they were on TV all the time saying that they had seen clear evidence of collusion with Russia. But when you put them under oath behind closed doors, and now we find out later what they said, they said they hadn't the whole time. The whole time when they were out there telling us on TV that they had seen all this evidence, they go under oath and say, no, they haven't. They lied. All the way down the line. In the end, we learn all of this is fake. It was fake at the beginning. It was fake throughout. And it's still fake now. He goes on to say, we know as fact the following. That the... Oh, hang on a second. Let me back up one tweet. He says, at first, many Trump people were worried that there must be some collusion because every media and intel agency surely wouldn't make this stuff out of just whole cloth, right? That was me, by the way. He's describing me because I still trust, at that point, still trusted the media. At that point, I still trusted 
that they were trying to get things right. Okay, fine, they're biased. I get it, and I can kind of sift through that, you know? But I never thought that they would just participate in a complete fabricated story, that they would be willing partners in that fabrication. Even that was too far. Because, I mean, that's that's malicious, right? That's un-American. So he goes on to say, when it was clear that they had made it up, people expected a reckoning and shed many illusions about their government when it did not happen. This is me. I expected a reckoning. I kept on calling on these reporters to out their sources because their sources made them look like fools. Their sources fed them bad information, right? Gave them bad intel, lied to them, manipulated them. And when the reporters, to this day, not a one has ever outed any of their sources. And why is that? What are we to conclude from that? That they weren't manipulated, right? That they were willing participants. And that is a whole different ballgame now. Now now you are part of, quote, the swamp, the deep state, or as Daryl Cooper calls it, the regime, which I actually like that term better, the regime because that's what it is. He says, we know as a fact that the Steele dossier was the sole evidence used to justify spying on the Trump campaign. We know this. That's true. We also know that the FBI knew that the Steele dossier was a DNC op. It was a democratic operation. We know that Steele's source told the FBI that the information was unserious And we know that the FBI did not inform the court of any of this information and, in fact, kept on spying, kept lying to the court and spying on the Trump campaign. Why? Why would they do that? Simply just for a political advantage, just to to try to beat Trump? Well, that goes away after Trump won, doesn't it? Like that that excuse goes away. Like, why continue with this? See, now you start getting into some other areas that that Cooper doesn't explore in his um, Twitter thread, really. But my mind immediately goes to Peter Strzok and Lisa Page and the, you know, we won't let that happen. We have the insurance policy, all of those texts where they talk about essentially a coup, in my opinion. That's how I read it. They were talking about how we're going to take them down. I can't look at this any other way. Like, at some point, Occam's razor dictates that the most obvious and easiest explanation is the one right in front of me that has all the evidence. Like, these people were, in fact, trying to take out Donald Trump for his entire presidency and even before, right? That And, like, this is not really even that controversial of an idea. It's kind of terrifying how uncontroversial of an idea that is. He goes on to say... Trump supporters know that the collusion case, or sorry, they know the details of the collusion case front and back. And uh, I can appreciate this. I think a lot of people on the left do not. They don't really understand the collusion case. They, uh, if you start talking about this around somebody of the left, they usually say something, oh, but her emails or something like that. And they they just kind of run away. They don't really know the details of this case, of the collusion case and how it all unfolded because it took, you know, years for this to unfold. But Trump supporters know it, right? We've been following this for a long time. They went from worrying that the collusion must be real to suspecting that maybe it's fake to then realizing it's all just a scam. And then we watched as every single institution, agencies, the press, Congress, academia, 
how all of these people, all of these groups and organizations gaslit us for a year, telling us that what we're seeing is not real, trying to make us question our own interpretation of reality. Worse, collusion was used to scare people away from working in the administration. They knew that their entire lives were going to be investigated. A lot of people quit because they were being bankrupted by legal fees. The Department of Justice, the press, and uh, government officials destroyed lives and actively subverted and an elected administration. These are the facts. This stuff did happen, right? I mean, uh, what? Mike Flynn, General Flynn, bankrupted. Now, don't worry. If you need a mattress, you're not going to get bankrupted at Mattress Man. They actually have Synchrony Finance uh, offering zero down, zero interest for up to 72 months for qualified applicants. They have tons of flexible financing options as well. Go to mattressmanstores.com, click on the financing link, apply and get pre-approved right now. And if you do it, you do it that way. Then when you go into any of the stores, which, by the way, four stores in Asheville and Arden and Hendersonville, you walk into any of those four stores, and when you do, uh, you're going to know, okay, like this is what my financing deal is going to look like. And it's all done ahead of time. And then you just shop with confidence. It's that easy. Five-star local delivery service, nationwide shipping, a 120-day comfort guarantee, also tons of deals. I was over there at the store in Arden. They had the sign out front, you know, uh, buy a, a king for the price of a queen. Like, that's a great deal. You can also score a free box spring with the purchase of a Biltmore Collection mattress. These are made by Restonic. And uh, Mattress Man is an exclusive retailer of the Biltmore Collection. So walk on in or check them out online, mattressmanstores.com. Tell them I sent you. Mattress Man, experience the difference. Mattressmanstores.com. Buy local and sleep better. So Daryl Cooper says this is the point where uh, people whose political identity was largely defined by a naive belief in what they learned in civics class. This is where those people began to see the outline of a regime. And this regime crossed all institutional boundaries because it had stepped out of the shadows to unite against an interloper. I have heard this uh, similar expression various ways um donald trump i think has even articulated uh articulated it rush limbaugh has as well which is it's not that they hate donald trump it's that they hate you they hate me and uh donald trump is the avatar right he is the standard bearer he's our representative and so they're going to destroy him and if you think that you know they don't have the same sentiment towards you and towards me you're crazy uh, so, and also that he is this outsider, much like you or me, right? We we're on the outside. And if we were to somehow become elevated to that position, it would jeopardize all of their operations and uh, all of their, you know, the gravy train. And I've talked about this before with like the China class connection, the 30 tyrants and all of that. Um, but there is, and again, you can call it the swamp. You can call it the deep state. You can call it um, uh, as he does the regime. But everybody has a pretty good sense now of, of who the actors are, right? There's, there's this fighting that's occurring, but you can also see where allies are, uh, are working together on things. 
GOP propaganda still has a lot of people thinking in terms of partisan binaries, but a lot of Trump supporters see that the regime is not really partisan at all. They all know that the same institutions would have taken opposite sides if it was Tulsi Gabbard versus Jeb Bush. It's hard to describe to people on the left uh, how shocking and disillusioning this was for people who encourage their sons to enlist in the army and hate people who don't stand for the national anthem. He points out that the left, uh, you know, they've always been sort of all in on conspiracy theories, right? The Kennedy assassination, Watergate, COINTELPRO, weapons of mass destruction, like all of these things that the left, uh, oh, 2000 with George W. Bush and Al Gore and Diebold, like they're always um, questioning the government and what they're doing and like these shadowy players and actors that are always like corrupting everything. So they're always uh, dabbling in this area of conspiracy theories, uh, you know, of government conspiracy theories. But for people who were Tea Party guys and gals and Trump supporters, um, like they, they knew obviously that corruption occurs, but this is at a whole different level. And Again, what he calls it, you know, like the, this naive civics class kind of understanding of government. It's another word for it, I would say, would be idealist. Idealists. People that think like, okay, well, here are the rules and we're going to play by these rules. And you don't realize like they haven't even adopted the playbook. <laughs> they're, out, they're, they're, they're doing a whole different game altogether. Um. So this is really disillusioning. They could have managed, or so he he says they could have managed the shock, Trump supporters could have managed the shock if it only involved the government. But the behavior of the corporate press uh, is really what radicalized them. And uh, I said this when I was filling in on the radio show that uh, this is what did it for me as well. And he mentions this later on, but for me, and it ties in here with the press, it was the Kavanaugh hearing. And I said this at the time. I said, this, ra- this is radicalizing me. Um, he goes on, Cooper says, they hate journalists more now than they hate politicians or government officials because they feel most betrayed by the journalists. And that's true. That is absolutely true. I get angrier at journalists than I do at politicians because I understand why the politician does what they do. And I thought... You guys in the journalism profession were doing something other than what you're obviously doing. The idea that the press is driven by ratings and sensationalism only, that became untenable, he says. It, was, it became unbelievable, impossible to accept, because if that was true, then they would be all over the Jeffrey Epstein story, who, by the way, didn't kill himself, right? Jeffrey Epstein, corporate press, they, they've dropped that story. Think about that. They've just dropped it. You hear anything about that? I mean, that is a massive story and scandal. And nobody really discusses it. It doesn't get any of the coverage. No, uh, Donald Trump put out a press release. And we'll go wall to wall with that, right? The corporate press is the propaganda arm of the regime. They now see in outline form. And I equated this to, um, you know, superhero movies where some character, usually the villain, they've got some, you know, cloaking capability and visibility or whatever but you can kind of see their outline you know as they move through things that's what people are seeing now these this outline of the quote regime 
And I know how that sounds, by the way. <laughs> I do know how this sounds. Um, but nothing anybody says now is ever going to make them unsee that regime. That Once you see it, you can't unsee it. Once you see the movement, and by the way, the same thing is happening with the critical race theory arguments. Right. They, there actually is a coordinated. I went over it the other day. There is a coordinated script that was put out weeks ago. Then we started hearing everybody mimicking the same talking points. And then we find out, oh, they're saying the same thing because they were told to say the same thing. And here are the talking points put together by 300 organizations. Right. There is a regime. I don't know who all is involved in it. There's a lot of people in a lot of organizations but they all seem to be pushing in the same direction. And it's a scary direction to me because I have a different political and economic philosophy. This is profoundly disorienting, he says. I'll tell you why in a second. It could also be disorienting if you are trying to buy or sell a house and you don't know what you're doing, okay? Really disorienting, stressful. Oh my gosh, stressful. Buying this house, (laughs) like you can see, like you can see where people would just lose their minds in the process. All right. So do what I did. Call Rowena Patton. Her phone number is 828-333-4483. The website is mountainhomehunt.com. And uh, she will either get your household quickly and for more money, or she'll get you uh, into the house of your dreams. She and her all-star powerhouse team, they outsell 99% of the realtors in the state of North Carolina. They got buyers lined up, and they have homes in all price points. So give her a call, 333-4483. Go to the website, mountainhomehunt.com, and tell her you heard it here on the podcast, and then start packing. So this has all been, it's all been disorienting for uh, Trump supporters. A lot of people... Uh, in that uh, group don't know for certain whether ballots were faked in November, but they know for absolute certain that the press, the FBI, and everybody else would lie to them if those ballots were in fact faked. Do you have any doubt about that? Seriously, if there was widespread fraud, this is the biggest challenge now that uh, if you're going to try to convince Trump supporters, myself included here, like if you're, even though I'm not a Trump supporter, but like if you're going to convince everybody that, uh, no, 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 there wasn't any fraud, you're going to have to try to convince people who automatically by default don't believe anything that you're saying. (laughs) So um, good luck with that. Who are you actually talking to then? You're just preaching to the already converted, aren't you? People who believe your corporate media accounts already believe you they're already on board with you so you trying to convince me that i've got it wrong isn't going to work anymore because i don't trust anything you're saying because you so messed the bed for the last five years on the russia collusion story right we have every reason to believe that you would lie to us if there was widespread voter fraud of course you would and here's the kicker It's probably true. We have every reason to believe you would lie, and you probably would. And I'm sorry if that hurts your feelings. They watched the press behave like animals for four years. Tens of millions of people will always see Brett Kavanaugh as a gang rapist based on nothing. Based on nothing. Because of CNN. 
That's what, think about that. That man has to carry that for the rest of his life, that tens of millions of people think that he did this awful, terrible thing based on absolutely nothing. No credible evidence. And the person who represented the woman who brought that scurrilous lie of a charge to the uh, public's attention, the lawyer for that woman is now going to prison. But Brett Kavanaugh is still seen as a rapist. Where does he go to get his apology, by the way, from CNN? Did he ever get an apology from them? No, there's no reckoning for them. None whatsoever. Avenatti's going to prison, not for anything he did in this case or against Kavanaugh, but because he defraud or he tried to extort Nike. Right? It wasn't the, the 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 misrepresentation of the Stormy Daniels accusations against Donald Trump or anything like that, all of that, you know, poop show. No, no, it was that he tried to extort Nike. That's what he went down for. There's no reckoning for these people. In other words, they get away with it. How long do you think the society lasts when one group of people believes that the other gets to do whatever they want, break all the laws, and never be held to account? Um, back to uh, Dylan or uh, Daryl Cooper's tweet, he says uh, that everybody looks at Ka- or these millions of people look at Kavanaugh as a gang rapist based on nothing because of CNN. And he says CNN seems proud of that. They led a lynch mob against a high school kid. Yeah, the the Covington Catholic boys. They cheered on a summer of riots, mostly peaceful. They always claimed that the media had liberal bias. Fine, whatever, right? But these Trump supporters still thought that the press would admit truth if they were cornered. Now they don't. It's obvious that the press won't do that. I mean, Chris Cuomo still has a job at CNN. How does that happen after everything with the COVID and Andrew Cuomo and everything else, right? Still has a job. Um, We don't believe that there will be a reckoning. It's a different thing now to watch them invent stories whole cloth in order to destroy regular lives and spark mass violence, right? Remember that Trump supporter, the woman, the old lady down in Florida, I think it was, who had a Facebook group and some Russian got into the Facebook group and... And then, like, CNN confronted her. Are you aware that you're spreading Russian propaganda and disinformation? She's like, what are you talking about? How'd you get onto my property? How did you find me? Like, you're going to hold grandma to account. You know, you're going to, oh, you showed her. Time Magazine. We covered this on the podcast uh, about a year ago, I want to say. Time Magazine told us that during the 2020 riots... There were weekly conference calls involving, among others, leaders of the protests, the local officials who refused to stop them, and media people who framed them for political effect. Is that concerning to anybody? It's concerning to me because he correctly identifies this as if it had been occurring in any other uh, nation, such as like Ukraine, this would be a color revolution. That's what's occurring. That's what those people engaged in right? You've got these different prongs of a multifaceted attack. Throughout the summer, Democratic governors then take advantage of COVID in order to change voting rules. It wasn't just the mail-ins, right? They lowered the signature matching standards. They extended the grace period. After the collusion scam and then the fake impeachment, 
Trump people expected shenanigans by now. Now, I can tell you, you should not worry about any kind of shenanigans at Old Grouch's military surplus. All you're going to find there is real U.S. military surplus. It's true. Old Grouch's military surplus in downtown Clyde for more than three decades. They've been down there. By the way, if you're heading to Maggie Valley or you're going to do some gambling, Cherokee, you know, Pigeon Forge, Gatlinburg, heading to Asheville, which is kind of a different kind of a gamble, you know, just with your life. Um, just off exit 27 off of I-40, you can just drop into the shop. And uh, he's open Monday through Saturday. And right next door, they just opened up a little um, boutique gift and clothing shop. So, um, you know, if you're traveling with a bunch of different people, there's a lot of stuff to, to go uh, check out in downtown Clyde. But Old Grouch's military surplus, you can score duffel bags, MREs, backpacks, camo netting, clothing, canteens, camp stoves, rain ponchos, ammo cans, Gun accessories, emergency responder kits. These are actually really good. If you're like part of a sports team or a scout leader or something like that, you need an emergency uh, response kit. And it's got like 350 items packed into this thing. So uh, go check it out at Old Grouch's Military Surplus, downtown Clyde, and 24-7 open at oldgrouch.com. Back to the Twitter thread. So throughout the summer, you've got uh, the riots going on and you got the people who are organizing the, quote, protests, uh, talking with the local officials who don't stop any of the rioting. And uh, they're also talking with media people who are then framing it. And uh, then you've got the covid stuff. And so now Trump supporters, people on the right are looking at all of this and you guys start changing the rules of the election and we expect shenanigans, as I mentioned earlier. Regarding the fake impeachment, we now know that Donald Trump's request, he says, for the Ukraine to cooperate with the Department of Justice regarding Joe Biden's financial activities in the Ukraine and Hunter Biden's financial activities in the Ukraine, that was all actually in support of an active investigation being pursued by the FBI and the Ukrainians at that time. So it was, in fact, a completely legitimate request for him to make. We know this now. Right. And then you get to the Hunter Biden laptop scandal. This was a this was another inflection point in American history, in my opinion, because big tech runs a full on censorship campaign against a major newspaper, the New York Post, to protect a political candidate, period, end of story. Everybody knows it. All of the tech companies now admit that they did this, admit it was a mistake, but, you know, the election's over, so who cares, really? That's the approach that we've all watched unfold. That they ban the reporting, a completely accurate and legitimate story. They ban the New York Post from reporting it before the election, and then they say, our bad. It goes without saying, but if the New York Times had Donald Trump Jr.'s laptop full of pictures of him smoking crack, engaging in group sex, lots of lurid family drama, emails describing direct corruption and backed up by the CEO of the company that they were using, the New York Times would not have been banned for reporting that story. Right. Remember the guy Bobolinsky, I think was his name. Right. Went out and gave interviews and said, this is what they were doing. 
here's 10% for the big guy, and here were the deals, and like, yeah, of course Joe Biden knew about this. The CEO of the company went on record with all of this information, and it didn't matter. It didn't matter. Um, Think back, he says, stories about Trump being urinated on by Russian prostitutes and blackmailed by Putin were promoted as fact, and the only evidence was a document paid for by his opposition and disavowed by its source. The New York Post got banned for reporting true information. The reaction of Trump people to all of this was not to say, no fear. Mm-mm. That's how, that's how they felt about Mitt Romney and what y'all did to Romney with the binders of women and, uh, oh, you're trying to kill Big Bird back in 2012. I mean, look at that Mitt Romney. He wants to hire women. Oh, my gosh. He, he said he's got them in binders. Get it? They're in binders. I never understood, like, binders of... No, what does that mean? Binders of women. Like, it, just, it just sounds weird. Okay. Yes, let's not give the guy a job who wants to hire a bunch of women into his administration. But whatever. Like, that's the reaction that people had on the right when they're like, what do you say? Oh, that's not fair. Come on. That's that's not fair. What are you doing? Why are you reporting it that way? Why are you framing it like that? Oh, my gosh. Now, this is different, right? This is different. Uh, Cooper says, now they see correctly that every institution is captured by people who will use any means to exclude them from the political process. Uh, disenfranchisement, you might call it. And yet they showed up in record numbers to vote. He got 13 million more votes than he did in 2016, 10 million more than Clinton got. I would also point out he expanded his vote counts among blacks and Hispanics as well. As election night dragged on, Trump supporters allowed themselves some bit of hope. He could actually pull this out. He could actually win this thing. But when the four critical swing states and only those states went dark at midnight, they knew. We all knew. Something happened. Something's going on. Don't know what it is. Would very much like to know what it is. But something happened. Over the ensuing weeks, though, Trump supporters then get shuffled around by grifters and media scam artists selling them all sorts of conspiracy theories. They latched onto one and then another increasingly absurd theory as they tried to put a concrete name on something very real. Media and tech did everything to make things worse, too. Everything about the election was strange. The changes to procedure, the unprecedented mail-in voting, all of the delays. But rather than admit that these things had occurred and this was strange, and let's, hey, make everything transparent. Let's try to restore confidence. Instead of doing that, no, no, what do they do? They banned it. They banned discussion of it, even in people's direct messages on social media platforms. Well, what does that do? Do you think that alleviates concerns (laughs) or do you think that heightens them? He goes on to say that everybody knows that just as Donald, uh, Donald Trump Jr.'s laptop would have been the story of the century, if everything about the election dispute was the same, but the parties were reversed, suspicions about the outcome would have been taken very seriously. Oh, I suspect we would have had to have had a national conversation about this, don't you think? If you don't think so... I would direct your attention to 2016 (laughs) when Hillary Clinton's campaign 
and everybody on the left and in the media, and they said that Donald Trump didn't win. The only reason he won was because he was a puppet of Russia. The Russians got involved. Oh, my gosh, look at this Steele dossier, right? The whole thing all predicated around this lie. You want to talk about the big lie, Democrats? This is the big lie. You guys have been pushing the big lie for five years. He goes on to say, even the court's refusal of the case doesn't get anywhere with Trump supporters. And I know this one firsthand, actually, because I kept waiting for stuff to happen in the courts, and I still am. Like, if you've got evidence presented in the courts, because that's the place where the stuff needs to be presented, that that's like how this is supposed to work. And that doesn't persuade Trump supporters who believe that the election was stolen. Doesn't get anywhere with them because how the opposition embraced mass political violence, and they will say with good reason, well, what judge is going to stick his or her neck out for Donald Trump knowing that they'll just be destroyed in the media while a violent mob burns down their house? And honestly, I can't really uh, argue against that. Right. I mean, like, what am I supposed to say? Oh, no, nobody would target a judge like that. Of course they would. They have. Right. They absolutely have. So what's the response? How do you convince people that, first off, do not believe anything you're saying? Number two, have seen your pattern of abuse directed at them and their candidate. Right. And uh, now when you try to assuage any concerns that they have, Uh, and say, well, you need to go to court to do it. You don't have their buy-in that the system will actually work in a fair way. There isn't any way to adjudicate this now. Congratulations, you guys. Like, really bang up work over the last five years. I don't know how this gets solved. I'm very concerned, very worried about what's going to uh, greet us down this path, because I don't think... There's definitely not anything good. <laughs> I don't think so. Uh, what do I know? I'm just a podcaster. I do know this, though. If you are trying to pick up some equipment to do a really big job, then you go to General Equipment Rental and you get that equipment and they'll show you how to use it. I mean, big stuff, too, you know, like scaffolding. Um, I'm talking like uh, earth movers and stuff, you know, big pieces of equipment, machinery uh, that, you know, you, you like you need a trailer to tow it back to the job site, that kind of deal. Uh, so if you are a professional, need some tools or equipment to get that job done, but you don't want to go out and buy the tools or equipment because they're really expensive and you only need it for like, one or two projects a year like this, well, you rent it from General Equipment Rental. And if you are a residential homeowner, for example, they have tons of stuff for you as well, uh, like tillers, augers, that kind of thing, chainsaws, trimmers, hedge clippers, auto mowers that you can buy. Um, they've got tons of stuff there. Your official licensed Husqvarna and Honda outdoor power equipment sales and service provider. Uh, they know all of the makes and models and the changes that they make every year to year with the different brands. Um, they have different power settings and stuff, and there's gas and battery powered and all of these decisions. It can be overwhelming. That's why General Equipment Rental will help walk you through uh, the buying process. Uh, They have excellent service. They know the products and they're not going to steer you wrong. They want you to get the right tool for the job that you need to uh, get done. So head on over to General Equipment Rental there in Weaverville. They're at the intersection of Merriman Avenue and Reams Creek Road. 
and they're family owned and operated for three generations. Great people over there. And uh, tell them that you heard it here on the show. I appreciate that. You can also go to their website, check out the inventory and the deals like 10% off your first rental, generalrents.com and think outside your toolbox. So Daryl Cooper's Twitter, uh, his tweet storm or his Twitter thread, he concludes by saying it is fact, according to Time magazine, that mass riots were planned in cities across the country if Donald Trump won. Oh, I mean, sure, they were, quote, protests, but they were planned by the same people as the ones who planned the ones over the summer. And everybody knows what that meant, right? Judges have families, too. Forget the ballot conspiracies, though. It is a fact that governors used COVID to unconstitutionally alter election procedures. The Constitution states that only legislatures can do so. And these rules got changed, he says, to help Biden make up for a massive enthusiasm gap by gaming the mail-in ballot system. They knew this was unconstitutional. It's right there in plain English. But they knew the cases wouldn't see court until after the election. And what judge is going to toss millions of ballots uh, because a governor broke the rules? The threat of mass riots was not implied. It was direct. The entrenched bureaucracy and security state subverted Donald Trump from day one. That's undeniable. Number two, the press is part of this operation. Number three, election rules were changed. Number four, big tech censors opposition. Number five, political violence is legitimized and encouraged. Number six, Trump is banned from social media. They were led down some rabbit holes, no doubt, but they are absolutely right that their government is monopolized by a regime that believes they are beneath representation and will observe no limits to keeping uh, keep them from getting it. Trump fans should be happy he lost and might have kept him alive. That is the Twitter thread or the tweet storm by Martyr Maid. Real name, Daryl Cooper. Now, Glenn Greenwald gave him the opportunity to expand on some of these thoughts over at his Substack, And Greenwald says, as Cooper notes, that he does not share all of the perceptions and beliefs that he is conveying, although he shares many of them. Instead, based on the recognition that most media outlets are incapable of understanding, let alone accurately describing the views of a group of people that they view with little more than unmitigated contempt, condescension and scorn, Cooper believes it is imperative that people understand the actual reality of what is motivating so many Trump voters in their views, perceptions, and beliefs, regardless of whether each particular belief is accurate or not. Set that aside. Set aside the accuracy. If you're trying to understand, and this is the value that I got out of Cooper's piece, is that if you set aside the accuracy, you can understand the perspective, right? He says um, in his write-up, it seems equally preposterous that the institutions that Trump supporters have trusted, and even the ones that they didn't, but it was preposterous, it seemed like it at first, that, that they would go all in on a story if there wasn't something to it. The Russian story, Russia collusion. Imagine the consequences for these institutions if it turned out that there was nothing to any of this. And of course, that is what it turned out to be. And of course, they didn't suffer any repercussions, right? Here's the other one, another point he raises. Why would Comey lie about knowing where the dossier came from? 
Why would the people involved claim to have seen evidence that never seemed to materialize? If the point of the special counsel is to take the investigation out of the hands of the line investigators to avoid the appearance of political influence, then why staff that office with known partisans and the same FBI personnel who originated and oversaw the case? Why was the relationship between the Russian lawyer... Remember the honeypot, Veselnitskaya, and uh, Fusion GPS? Why was that dismissed as irrelevant? Why were people who must know better continuing to insist that the Steele dossier was originally funded by Republicans long after that claim got debunked? By the way, people still say that. Have you ever come across lefties and this comes up, the Russia collusion story? They always start off by saying that. Oh, that was the Republicans that did that. No, anyway, it doesn't matter. Why wasn't the media asking even these most obvious questions? And why were they giving themselves awards for refusing to ask those questions? And why were they viciously attacking journalists who did ask these questions? These journalists are intelligent people. I mean, at least they present that way on TV. Is it possible that these questions simply had not occurred to them? It That seemed unlikely, he says. It seemed unlikely. He also writes, Trump supporters know, and I think everybody knows, that Donald Trump would have been impeached and probably indicted if Robert Mueller had proven that he had paid a foreign spy to gather damaging intel on Hillary Clinton from sources connected to Russian intelligence and then disseminate that information in the press. Many of Trump's own supporters would probably not even have objected to his removal if that had happened. Of course, that's exactly what the Clinton campaign did, but there were no consequences for it. Indeed, there has been almost no criticism of it whatsoever. Trump voters were adamant that governor's changes to election procedures were unconstitutional. And even a well-intentioned judge could be convinced that he would be at great personal risk if he overturned an election. Based on this, some Trump supporters unfortunately thought the license for political violence applied for everybody. Well, the hundreds of them now sitting in federal jails learned the hard way that wasn't true. See, there are different rules for different people. Some animals are more equal than others. That's a wrap for the episode. Thanks for listening. I do appreciate it. Remember, subscribe at thepetecalendarshow.com, and I'll talk with you later. Try not to break anything while I'm gone. 